Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Good. Yeah, good. Hey, that was a little more awake than first, which I guess would be assumed, right? Oh, it is that time of year, isn't it? We've had all these different slogans that we've said to each other. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, maybe. Um, but we're getting to one that we say is more of a, a, a thing that we try to do. It's this idea of a New Year's resolution. You guys hear that before? I think you've heard those. Maybe you've done this. Raise your hand here. Let's take a quick poll. Raise your hand if you are, have been faithful enough and brave enough and to make a New Year's resolution and actually keep it. Anyone here? Have, anyone? One, two, two, three, okay, four-ish. This is an ish, ish thing over there. Okay, five, six, there we go. That's a little bit more than, than the first service, which was three. But hey, kudos to you all. Let's give them a round of applause. Now, personally, I don't make many resolutions uh, because I have failed at them and I don't like to do things that I fa I'm a failure at. Uh, but it really brings us time of the year of understanding like this is a new time, a new start, a new go at things. And when you think about New Year's resolutions, a lot of people think about what people typically make for resolutions. But I actually came up with some stats from 2023 about like America and, and what they, what, how well they did when it came to New Year's resolutions. I'd like to share those with you. Do we want to laugh together? We should laugh together, right? So 30% of the surveyed participants planned on making a New Year resolution for 2023. So out of 100, all Americans, only 37% decided they were gonna do it because the other, whatever, 63% are smart and we know we're gonna fail. Um, but of that 37%, 87% were confident that they would stick to the resolution. So right off the bat, you have what? 13% knew they weren't going to do it. <laughs> okay. And by February, only 22% had stuck to them entirely. We're dropping quick, aren't we, right? 54% said they had mostly stuck to them, right? That means they did it one time, right? Let's, let's be honest. The most popular resolutions for 2023 are tied uh, at improving health was 20%. And uh, also saving more money was 20%. Following, uh, uh, and then following that was like exercising more at 19%, eating healthier at 18%, being happy, 17%. How is being happy a resolution, right? You must be a very angry person. I'm gonna be happy more. When I'm not happy more, I'm gonna be mad more because I'm gonna be happy, right? And then 17% is losing weight, which I would have thought would have been part of exercising more and eating healthy, but it's apparently an entirely different category. But the sad thing is this, like when it came to career-related resolutions, they were the least popular. Only 9% had a resolution to pursue a career goal. Think about that. 9% of America only 9% wants to have a career goal. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really seeing why we're not going to the moon anymore, right? Like, like I'm pretty happy just sitting here in my office, you know? Like. 
And only 7% had a, uh, you know, has a resolution to get a new job, which tells me that people are just happy with being where they're at or they're happy with being miserable where they're at. It's one of those things, these resolutions that we, we do and we don't do. And whenever I come this time of year, I do get a little kind of, kind of, I don't know, kind of frustrated a little bit because in my mind, resolution is a decision that you made to stop doing something, right? Or to be better at something. But in reality, I think we need to change our whole mindset in that. And we need to have this idea of being resolute as a mindset and to be resolute in Christ. Now to have a resolution to me is like a checklist, right? Didn't do that each day, Blink, chick, 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 chick. But to be resolute in your mind, to be steadfast and moving forward, to not be shaken is a much bigger task and a much daunting task, a task that matters and means things in a world where we don't really do that as much. So if you guys could open up to Philippians chapter three, and as you're doing that, I would like to tell you that when I was in high school, I did a couple different sports. My main sports was wrestling. And wrestling I was very good at. I uh, put a lot of extra time and energy into it. And, uh, and believe it or not, I was a skinny guy. I know it doesn't look like that now, but I was a small guy. And one of the, you would have all these slogans that you would say like, you know, uh, 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 Pain is just fear leaving the body, right? Which makes no sense, but that's what we would say, right? right? But one of the big things that I held hold to is attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. And it drilled in my head. You had to have that right attitude. It's everything about you. I even had this awesome t-shirt in seventh grade. Had two skeletons in wrestling singlets and one suplexing the other one. And on the back, it said, attitude is everything. And I wore that to picture day. <laughs> and my mom made me take, retake my pictures. <laughs> Attitude is everything. Now, I had another slogan when I ran track, which I didn't take track as serious. Um, my slogan for that was, if you're gonna slack, why not a track? <laughs> right? <laughs> right, you've got slack, why not track? And, uh, and that's what I did. I had a good time at track. I, I you know, had, got to meet a lot of different people. I would eat like five pickles before I ran a 400 meter dash. And my coach told me that I was gonna throw up relish all over his track, which I didn't. Um, but in those two things are two different mindsets, right? One, I'm about to do everything I can to win. The other one, I'm just hanging around. In our walk with Jesus, we have to have a resolute mindset. We cannot just be going around wishy-washy. We cannot be influenced so easily by the different things that come into our lives that we're inundated with, whether through media or through people or through just through things that, that you hear on the whim, maybe even over the radio. We have to be resolute in what we understand and what we know. I believe that our society struggles with this right now. We are easily thrown about like a boat on a, on a, on a really like ocean, a really wavy ocean, just moving around, not really being able to control themselves. But we have to set our, our hearts and our minds on Jesus 
and living for him and to have this resolute mindset. And you might be thinking, Jimmy, what do you mean by having a resolute mindset for Christ? This is what I mean is that every day you're living it, you're living your life, seeing the world through the eyes and through the heart of Jesus and his mission. Every day you are seeing the people around you through the eyes of Jesus and with his heart for his mission and not your own. So now I've stalled long enough. You should have opened up to Philippians chapter three and we'll start reading there. Furthermore, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of flesh. For it is we who are circumcised, we who are served, uh, serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as, far, uh, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him having, or not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God that is the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the re resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained all of this, I have already arrived at my goal, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Whew, that's a lot. That's just a part of what we're getting into today. You understand some of the words he's saying in this? He's calling into question his own habits and thoughts, calling them loss and not gain, but he's striving forward and pushing on towards a goal over and over again. He must not be that 9% of America who can't make a goal. But when I read this and I look through these things, there's some things that jump out to me and I would want us to understand this uh, to really move us forward towards this, this resolute mind, mindset. First thing is you must forget your past to move forward in your spiritual life. You must forget your past to move forward in your spiritual life. You might be thinking to yourself, well, Jimmy, I'm, you know, I've, I've done some good things in the past. I don't want to forget that. Or, you know, yeah, Jimmy, there are some bad things, and I've tried to forget that, and that's hard. See, I'm not saying that you can't, like, never remember those things. 
But what Paul is saying here is that compared to what Jesus has for you, everything in your past is nothing. It's garbage. It doesn't hold a candle to the brightness and the glory of the life that Jesus has for us. And see, when we attach ourselves to what we've done in the past, we are always going to be falling short. Even if we're attaching ourselves to the greatest things that we've done, they're flawed. They're not going to be good enough. Yeah, they may be this good, but they're not God good. And as a follower of Jesus, we have to be thinking that way. That any of my accolades, anything that I do, it is not for my kingdom, it's for God's kingdom. It's for Jesus to grow him up. Now, it's not easy for us to forgive our past, is it? Especially some of the things in our past that have shaped us and formed us. And a lot of times, those are the hurtful things, right? The punches that stick, being physical, verbal, mental, but we have to give those over to Jesus. We have to unload them and we have to forget them and focus on Christ and what he has for us. And so we have to change our mindset. And Jesus is so amazing. When he did his first speech, his first public speech, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's in, chat, in Matthew, right? He gathered his, his disciples together and there's a crowd there. He starts speaking and the first thing he says is this. He goes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Okay. Raise your hand if you know what blessed and the poor in spirit means. Yeah, a couple of you. Okay. Most of us don't. Guess what? I went almost all the way through Bible college before I figured that out. Okay, like you read this thing. I used to think, well, I've had people teach me, well, it means, you know, if you're poor, you know, that's okay because when you get more money, you'll like appreciate it more and, and it's okay to be poor. That is not what this means. This has nothing to do about money or riches or anything else. I had David Roadcup, who was one of my, uh, my mentors. He kind of grabbed me when I was, you know, going through one of his leadership classes. And we were talking about this afterwards. And he goes, Jimmy, do you know what the blessed is the poor in spirit? Do you know what that really means? And I was like, no, what does it mean? I'm supposed to talk on it at some point. I don't have any clue. And he says this, he goes, blessed the poor in spirit means you're blessed when you realize you're spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. You are blessed when you understand that you have nothing without him. And that everything that you have is nothing without him. That's what it means. And he said that and my mind went, right? The very first thing that Jesus is talking about is what he ends up talking about later on and denying yourself and taking up his cross, right? Jesus is trying to tell us that what he has in plan for our life is better, but we can't rely on our own. And if we want to be in his kingdom and if we want to do good things in his kingdom, we have to forget that past. Don't let it control us. Don't let it manipulate us. Don't let it drag us down and move on and take what we can learn from it to make his kingdom better. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
It's a wonderful lesson that we have to ingrain into our minds, to put in our minds every single day. Lord, I am grateful that, I, that you are everything that I need. I can't get my own salvation. No matter what I do, no matter how many good works I try to do, it does not get me to you. Only your works get me to you. Peter then continues on. He says this, all of us then who are mature, we're all mature, right? I mean, we are, right? We're all mature. There's no one immature here, right? Love this. All of us then who are mature should take a, uh, such a view of things. And if, one, and, it, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I love this. We'll stop right there. What he's saying here is, look, if you're mature and you're thinking about something and maybe you start doubting it a little bit, press into that. God is going to be there for you. He's gonna help you understand. That too, God will make it clear for you. To be resolute means that you have to continually relearn what you've already said yes to. Let's be honest, there's times in my life where I'm walking around and people ask me on my opinion on a, a, a faith topic. And I will tell them the conclusion that I've come to. And they'll say, how'd you come to that? And I'll go, duh. Give me about a week. Let me relearn what I, when I have said was true, right? So there's times where I've gone back and had to restudy. Why do I believe this again? Okay, that's right. I remember this and I remember that. That's a good thing in your Christian walk to reassure yourself of what you believe, to make sure that you are consistently resolute in your mindset. Don't let a doubt throw your faith off track. Let a doubt fuel your resolute mindset to get you closer to God. Picking up at 16, only let us live up to what we've already attained. Joining together and following my example, brothers and sisters, as just as you have, uh, have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their, mindset, their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. My second point is this. We must begin to live like citizens of heaven and stop living as citizens of earth. If you said yes to Jesus and you've been baptized in his name, you need to understand this and remind yourself this every single day that your citizenship is in his kingdom, not United States, right? Yeah, we are a part of the United States, but our real true citizenship, what we believe, what we say yes and true to, who we say is king is Jesus Christ. It's interesting this uh, past fall when we did a mission trip over to Australia, when we went over there, you realize different countries have different ways of doing things. 
bunch of different laws. They, they, you hardly saw any police officers because they had cameras everywhere. Because if you got caught going more than three miles over the speed limit, they just mailed you a ticket. It didn't matter where, they just mail it to you. I don't know about you, but my mailbox would be full, right? If you have your cell phone in your hand, one of them told me it was like a $3,000 fine. They had the camera captures it with the cell phone as you're driving, $3,000 fine. Ooh, I'd be poor, right? I'm telling on myself here, it's not good. We have to, re I realized there that my citizenship in America and how I thought about things, even though they looked like us and had a lot of the same things, was totally different than ours. And we have to understand that we live in a world, we walk around citizens of earth, but we who have said yes to Jesus, we are citizens of heaven. We have to think differently. We have to act differently. We have to be differently to lead others to Christ. And the first way to start living like a citizen of heaven is this. You need to start to pity and mourn the people who don't have Jesus in their lives. You need to start to pity and mourn people who don't have Jesus in your lives. So back here in verse 18, this jumped out to me and it's never really jumped out to me before. And I've read through this many, many times. It says this, for as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears. Did you catch that the first time I read that? Even with tears. So he's sad about something. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. As I was looking through my commentaries and seeing what the experts said about this passage, they're kind of all over the place. Um, many of them think that Paul was mourning for uh, those, uh, for, Paul was mourning for the believers that were dealing with the persecution that was coming from um, the Jewish people at the time. He, some of them say that, you know, he was, uh, you know, tearful or mourned for of the whole situation where, where God wasn't understood well. But one thing that jumped out to me is I think that part of it is that Paul was mourning for these people who were doing these things to his followers, or to, to Jesus' followers. That he was mourning for these people who didn't know Jesus, who live their lives as enemies of the cross and their destiny is destruction. See this right here encapsulates the saying to love the sinner and hate the sin. You understand that? We are called to love everyone, which means we love people who, who are sinning and people who are righteous. But those who, we, who are sinning, we have to love them and hate their sin. And don't mix the two together, right? That's the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus looks down and sees people being brutally awful and nasty and terrible, oftentimes, I don't think he's angry. I think he's sad that his children don't know him. And I could see him crying over what's happening in these war-torn countries in our offices that we work, in the homes, sports teams that we intermingle with. So we have to start to 
pity and mourn people who don't have Jesus in their lives. Start seeing them through the sight of Jesus. Longing for their heart to change. Being angry at the sin, but not at them. Because then you can start having compassion and love and grace for them. And then they will start seeing Jesus in a whole new light. The second thing that we have to understand in becoming a citizen of heaven is this. Citizens gather regularly. We do, don't we? Like citizens of the United States, we gather a lot. We do a lot of different things together. Here at church, we gather once a week for worship. It's not worship for ourselves. Worship's for God, not for us, right? We all agree with that? Absolutely. So it doesn't matter what song you do or do not like. We sing it to him not to us. We gather regularly, but here's the, here's the really sad statistic. A couple years ago, several years ago at this point, the Barner Group, um, they do surveys, a lot of churches, and one of their shocking statistics came out, it says this, that in America, a Christian who considers themselves a regular attender of church only attends one time a month. Now, about 10 to 15 years ago, that was two times a month. It has dropped now to one time a month. 12 times roughly a year. And the sad stat is this, the sad fact is this, that Jared and, and, and David and Doug and I, when we look at our numbers, we see that. We will have a good Sunday where it feels like we're really full and then the rest of the Sundays are down. Now, every Sunday is a great day, right? Absolutely. The sad thing is that we have people who have said yes to Jesus and their mindset is not on Christ and not gathering with his body. Their mindset is on getting more sleep, watching a sports event, maybe going to a youth sports event, maybe just enjoying their coffee. So we have to be better than that. As citizens of heaven, we have a mission, right? And that brings me to my third point is this, we have to listen and execute the mission of Jesus. You can't do that when you're only here 12 to 15 times a year. You can't because you're not sure of yourself. You question everything. See, Jesus gave us the great commission when he left, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That is all of our challenge. That is all of our quest, all of our mission. You cannot do that if you are unprepared. And when you starve yourself from the community that is here with our body, you cannot reach the people Jesus needs you to reach. So I'm not here to, to beat anyone over the head, but I'm here to encourage you that you need to be here because we need you here. And not so much we need you here, they need you here. 
so you can lift and learn and soak up and absorb and then go out and transform. We have to be able to do that together. So maybe a resolution for next year is that you guys are perfect attendance here. (laughs) We're not gonna hand out pins or badges like they used to do back in the day, sorry. Philippians 4, he continues, he says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. Once again, we got him telling us that we need to stand firm, have that mindset. I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind of the Lord. Yes, and I ask You, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be uh, evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present yourself and your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything and excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I love that. Third point today is this. To be resolute in Christ means your daily purpose is living for him and expanding his kingdom. That's what it is. To be resolute means that you are living every day for Jesus and your goal is not to get your task done for your, for your employer. It's not to do what your coach says all the time. It's not to do what your parents say or your, what your friends or your loved ones ask you of. Your goal is to make Jesus first and to expand his kingdom. Now, will those goals overlap? Absolutely, they can if you can start thinking in your mindset that everything that you do gives God's glory, then yeah, absolutely. We have to be trying to think like that over and over again. But unfortunately, many of us get scared about going and telling other people about Christ or being there in hurtful situations. You may not know what to say or what to do, or you think about the times that you've tried before and you've failed. And it causes you to have anxiety. And then when anxiety comes, this thing, time, sometimes paralysis happens when you're worried about everything and you can't do anything. And no matter what, you get stuck in this vortex. And see, anxiety is something that we kind of think is a new problem. We really do, right? I'm thankful that we're aware of it now. That's, people are trying to help each other out with it. But the reality is this, anxiety was, has been happening since sin came into this world. In the first century, Paul literally just writes about anxiety right here and how to overcome it. 
right? He says this, don't be anxious about anything, right? He's talking about anxiety. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be stifled. Don't, don't sit there and just be perplexed. You might be thinking, how do we get, Jimmy, how do we get over the anxiety that I have, especially when it comes to sharing Jesus with other people? Number one, in your life, when you are full of anxiety and you don't know what to do, what the first part of that verse say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. When things are going terrible in your life, rejoice in the most high God. Worship him. Lift him up. If that means get out of your office and sit in your car and crank up whatever, you know, Caleb, Air One, Star 93.3, do it. Put it on your Spotify list. I don't care. Fill yourself and praise Jesus. Don't wallow in your self-loathing. Rejoice in the Lord. Look at the disciples in Acts, in the book of Acts. When they were beaten and thrown in jail, what'd they do? Oh, woe is me. Please, Lord, help me. No, no, they sang hymns. And because of that, God shook the foundations of those jails and those doors flung open. See, we have to rejoice in the Lord when things are tough. When you have anxiety in your life, give up everything else and start rejoicing in God. Then he said this. He told us to lead with gentleness. To lead with gentleness, right? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. That's what he said. Gentleness is something that we don't really do very well in America. We don't at all. But there was an amazing cartoon back in the 80s called Transformers. None of you saw this coming, did you? Transformers was an amazing uh, television show that shaped my childhood. And I was doing some research, watching reels, um, <laughs> several months ago, and this reel came up about Peter Cullen, who is the voice of Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime was the, the leader of this good space robots crew that turned into cars. And he was telling about how he came up with the voice of of this. And so in 1984, his brother had come back out of the Marines. He's um, no longer in the service. He was a Marine captain. He was in the Vietnam War. He saw some stuff, lived life hard. And they were in, uh, living together. And when Peter would go out to these different auditions because he was trying to be an actor and everything else. He would always ask him, what are you doing today? Where are you going? And the one, he goes, for the one role that day, he goes, I was kind of sheepishly telling him, he goes, well, what are you going to do today, Peter? He goes, well, I'm, I'm going to be a voice for a hero truck. It's like, a hero truck? It's like, yeah, a hero truck. And he got very quiet and he said this, and if we can put that, that picture on there, he said, Peter, if you're going to be a hero, be a real hero, not a Hollywood hero with all the yelling and screaming and trying to be tough. Be strong enough to be gentle. Jesus was strong enough to be gentle, wasn't he? When we are dealing with other people, we have to be gentle. We have to be gentle on how we push them along how we pull them into Christ. 
And when you are going out of control and your anxiety is going crazy, think about the gentle people in your life. They're calm. They're cool. They relax. Be gentle with yourself. Don't keep throwing hurt insults on yourself and don't keep beating yourself up. The last thing is, or the last part of this is this. Be in prayer about everyone and everything. Be in prayer about everything and everyone. We have to bathe everything that we do in prayer. We could do a whole series on prayer, and I've had many, many great discussions on prayer. And I remember one time talking to my friend Mike when we were at students at CCU, Cincinnati Christian University, and he told me that he was having a, a, a prayer conversation in their cafeteria as he was working, and as he was having this really deep, complex uh, uh, dialogue on prayer, this one full-time worker who was not part of the university, he would take some classes, his name was Fred, and Fred would go and went up to him and goes, yeah, you know how I pray? And like, yeah, how? He goes, every morning I wake up and I say, dear Heavenly Father. And then when I go to bed at night, I say, amen. So my life's my prayer. That is how we should be striving for that what we do and how we say and what we think and how we act, that everything is a prayer to lift up our Father in heaven. But in order to truly have a resolute mindset in Christ, you have to remember this last thing is this. Remember that Jesus is with you always. When you mess up and you fail, because it will happen, Jesus is with you. And he wants to be with you. And he wants you to run to him. And he wants to put his arms around you. And he wants to give you a better life. But you have to be willing to let go of your old life, to take that new life, to be giving something so amazing and wonderful so that you can start reaching others that don't know who he is. So my question today is, are you ready to have that resolute mindset in Christ? Are you ready to take that step? Maybe you've said yes to Jesus in the past and you've been a little lackluster in your faith. Make that stand today. Change that mindset. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before and something's been tugging on your heart, that's the Holy Spirit, telling you that now's the time for you to say yes. Let's make that happen. Let's do that here. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being so great and wonderful. We thank you for being a God that doesn't give up, doesn't give in, that conquered sin in the most unbelievable way, giving yourself for us on the cross taking all of our sins and our burdens away, giving us life everlasting. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving us the mission to reach those who don't know who you are. Lord, give us the strength and the ability and the mindset to continue to pursue others and view them through your eyes and your heart so we can complete your mission. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.